Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, co-centric, talk about it often, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, do it big. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Matt Danley. Thank you guys for coming back to the show tonight. Uh, got a, a nice little show for you tonight. We're going to do our film review a little bit earlier than we do typically in the week. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit of trade deadline and kind of see what names are being floated out there. Would they fit the Colts? And even maybe somebody on the Colts, uh, the Colts could possibly be sellers. But uh, we're going to probably jump on that right away. So uh, first of all, thank you guys all, like I said, for coming back. Make sure you guys are getting a stampede blue uh, for all your Indianapolis Colts news and analysis. Make sure you guys are supporting the show. Greatly appreciate all the ratings and reviews, please keep those coming. And, uh, you know, uh, wanted to address something real quick with our TickPick uh, promo code. The promo code is going to change. We are expected to get a new one today. That didn't happen. So we hope to have another one tomorrow. And uh, I will be sure to put a show out and uh, have the new TickPick uh, promo code for that so that you guys can get tickets and get a hell of a deal. So uh, let's jump right in, though. Let's, let's talk trade deadline first. There's not a lot in the way of trade deadline stuff for the Colts, especially for them being sellers, okay? One of the names, if not the only name, that I think that we could reasonably talk about as far as the Colts getting rid of anybody is Jacoby Brissett. The Colts obviously have said numerous times in the past they have no interest in selling and in, in trading away Jacoby Brissett, especially you know for anything less than a first-round pick. So let, let's let's kind of dissect that just a little bit and, and see. I mean, look, I, I think that it's fair to say that the Colts, if they were blown away, might come off of Brissette. In the meantime, yes, Andrew Luck is healthy and looking dominant, but you always have to – I mean, look, people lose jobs for not having an adequate to above-average backup quarterback. Jacoby Brissett is that okay I wouldn't I don't know that I would call him extremely above average because I still think that he's got his flaws and I still think that they come to the to the surface a little too often in order for him to become some sort of a you know uh, just a a top end NFL quarterback however he is better than a handful of current starters on NFL teams I think that there are a few teams that would be willing to trade for him I don't know if they would be willing to give up a first for it, but I do think that they would be interested in Jacoby Brissett, and I think that Brissett would probably be – I think he could probably grow into being a pretty solid NFL starter. 
Now, the Colts, everything hinges on do the Colts want to come off of him? And even if it was a first-round pick, would the Colts do that? I don't know. I mean, if it's a bad team, I think that, look, bad teams are typically sellers at this time of year, right? Like real bad teams. So you're not typically going to be finding people who want to trade for Jacoby Brissett who are at the bottom of the league and who are going to be picking very high in the draft. Typically, you're going to find teams that feel like they are contenders and have issues at quarterback. No, I don't think that they would ever trade him within the division. So if we're talking about Jacksonville, I think that you could probably scratch that off the table because Bortles is awful, and he's just going to continue to be awful. He might have a good game here and there, but he's sad. Uh, but looking elsewhere, I don't know. There, it's, it's, for me, it's a little too difficult to kind of figure out I don't think that the 49ers necessarily feel like they've, you know, got any real issues uh, with their backup. I, I don't think that they think that Beathard is great by any chance, by any stretch. But, you know, they got Garoppolo. They spent a ton of money on him, all that stuff. So they're not really doing I don't think that they're in any sort of contention in that regard. Who else? You know, maybe with the Broncos, I mean, be interested because let's be honest, Case Keenum's kind of garbage. You know, I mean, he's had the one year and he hasn't had anything after that. The Dolphins, they've got Osweiler, who's playing pretty well in Tannehill's absence. So, I mean, there are some teams that might be considering him. Um, I don't think that any of the teams necessarily that I named would be. But look, you, you've got a team that's got to be willing to give up a first. And the Colts would even have, to, like I said, would have to be okay with giving getting a first-round pick for that because then they've got to find a backup. They don't have one right now if Jacoby Brissett's there. Not at all. And don't tell me that Phillip Walker is a backup. I mean, he just got released today from the practice squad. That is not a match for what the Colts do. He is not a good quarterback. He is not a backup. This would leave the Colts in a hole presuming that anything could happen to where they would need to have their backup quarterback in the game. So I'm dismissing that. I mean, anything almost to it at all. Like I said, they would have to be blown away. In my opinion, in blown away would probably be a first and something else. I, I really do believe that. Only because I think that it is just too early, even though Luck's been great. Now next year, maybe this is a totally different conversation, uh, especially in the offseason. It just all depends because then the Colts have a little more time and some leeway, a bit of a cushion to kind of find another backup floating around or something of that sort. This is not the time, in my opinion, to come off of your backup quarterback, who you, whom you think so highly of. Um, let's move on. There's uh, some guys, you know, uh, as far as uh, running backs that are being talked about. I don't see the Colts feel the need for a trade in the running back area at all. Uh, if Marlon Mack doesn't continue to be great, if Jordan Wilkins or Naheem Hines, neither one of them really get going, I still don't think that the Colts would be interested in losing a pick to trade for anybody, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I, I, I just don't see that. That just doesn't make sense to me. Even if Marlon Mack, like I said, even if Marlon Mack, even if they don't trust him, you know, okay, he's had two good games. It looks to me, and it looks probably to like a lot of people, that he's on the rise. But that's not a position that the Colts should be trading for, in my opinion. Uh, going to receiver. Now, this is a bit more interesting because 
there are some names out there, but then you look at their ages and you look at kind of their production over the past year or two, and it just doesn't really make sense. Now, we'll talk about Amari Cooper real quick. You know, I know that the, the Cowboys traded a first for him, which was uh, unreal to me. I don't see, and I didn't see a need for Amari Cooper. He's too inconsistent. He is a hell of a talent, but he's too inconsistent. He's dropped a lot of balls. He just doesn't seem, he didn't seem like the guy that Ballard would be interested in, in my opinion. I mean, young, yes, full of potential, of course, but why? You know, right now, why? Why would you? You, you don't have a great receiving core, but you know what? You do have a good off. You have the rest of the pieces, and Andrew Luck's making this receiver core look better than they are already. Getting a dominant guy in there or somebody that you perceive to be as dominant would make a big difference, but I don't see that being Amari Cooper. So, I mean, and, that's, and it's moot right now. I'm just saying if there was some talk about the Colts being interested in Amari Cooper – and, be, and if they were legitimately interested, I find that personally hard to believe. Um, moving on, like Demarius Thomas is being talked about, even his cohort there in Denver, Emmanuel Sanders. I Look, I, I think that maybe those guys could give something, but what, they're, they're 31. I think both of them are 31. That's, I mean, why would you trade away something for such a short-term guy? I mean, and, 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 and you know, Sanders is productive this year. Thomas is not for the most part. I don't really see that as being a viable trade option. Maybe there's other guys out there that could come off. They'd be coming off for like a seventh round pick or something that, you know, teams just aren't utilizing the way that Ballard might see them needing to be utilized or something of the sort. I don't know about those guys right now, but we're just kind of talking about some, not necessarily big names, but some guys who have been talked about. Uh, Devonte Parker out of the uh, from the Dolphins. He's been talked about a lot. I, I apparently the Dolphins, uh, as far as I think it was Le Confora, was saying that the Dolphins or no, it was Palacero, were saying that the Dolphins wanted a third round pick for him. Parker has a lot of potential. He's young for the most part. I still, I still don't see the need for him. He's not really lived up to to his potential or what he has. And I mean, he hasn't had a thousand yard season as far as I can remember. So I mean you're not what are you what are you really getting out of that? I, I just don't see it. Uh another guy, uh, at least in this one, is they're talking about uh Hogan from the Patriots, uh with Josh Gordon being there and a couple other guys kind of stepping up. You know, Hogan's kind of been falling under the wayside. I don't see that that would make much sense for the Colts either. You know, and, and a lot of these guys are older. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, Fitzgerald's even being talked about, and I don't see any of those guys being to, uh, being you know legitimate uh, possibilities. Uh, offensive linemen, I think the Colts like their O line. You know, we get into pass rushers. There's, I mean, I think it's kind of the same thing. The Colts like what they've got on the edges. They've got Sheard right now, uh, kind of filling in. You know, they've got Kamoko Ture. They don't know what they've got in Taekwon Lewis at the moment. But I just don't see a trade for a pass rusher as an intelligent decision right now. I mean, the Colts are literally <laughs> talking about building this thing through the draft. They've kind of got some pieces that they're really starting to see, you know, what they can offer. And I don't necessarily believe that pass rusher – don't get me wrong. If the Colts got an impressive pass rusher – I think that you could uh, say, 
that it was a smart move. On the same token, I think that when you're looking at a pass rush, look, you had your chance to wow somebody with getting Khalil Mack. That's a real pass rusher. That's something you really kind of go all in for. This point in the season at the trade deadline, there's just not that guy out there that says, look, we need him for the next four or five years, and I just don't see that. So uh, let's talk about corners, though. And the one name, you know, with the Raiders, as the Colts have uh, their, you know, week eight matchup with, Gary on Conley comes up, and I, and I believe we even have an article about it on Stampede Blue uh, right now. But Gary on Conley, you know, very young. Uh, Gruden did not draft him. And you kind of think, what could that be? I mean, the Colts have Kenny Moore. You know, they, they've been playing Wilson a little bit more. Desir has been okay. Um, maybe that makes sense. Maybe. But Conley would likely draw a high price tag, and I don't think that Ballard's willing to do that for a guy that hasn't really played and, and lived up to much while he's been in Oakland. He, I think that he would want, and aside from this bottom-of-the-roster turnover that we're going to continue to see with Ballard and GM, I just don't see him going after somebody at the trade deadline that's going to you know deliver a second- or third-round pick in return. It just doesn't make sense. However, if the Colts were to do it, I think that cornerback might be the right spot. Patrick Peterson's only 28 years old. Could you do that? I mean, I know that there's some other teams that are interested in him, but I mean, he's kind of, a, I mean, he's proven that he's a stud. He hasn't hit his 30s yet. You could get another couple, three years out of him. That might be a wise decision. But what does he garner in return? I don't know. Maybe a third? I mean, I'm not great at this guessing game of what guys are worth in that regard, but I think that, man, Patrick Peterson might be the only guy that I might be interested in, you know, as far as big name that might pull uh, some sort of a, you know, a first half of the draft type draft uh, draft grade or draft uh, slot. I, I just can't think of another position where the Colts would be willing to give up some of that draft capital for anything else, to be honest with you, so... Um, just a quick overview of kind of the trade wins that are talking or that are going right now. And I just, at like I said, at the moment, I just don't see it. So uh, let's get into our film review. And now this is week six, actually, of the Raiders. And this is against the Seahawks because I believe they had the, the bye last week. Um, let's talk about their defense, first of all. They're 29th in the league in points per game allowed with 29.3. They're 32nd, dead last in the league, in yards per play allowed, 6.7. They're 29th on third downs. Remember, the Colts are tied for first right now with a 50% third down percentage, and they are 29th on third downs with 46% defensively. And they're dead last in sacks, their defense is. They've earned seven sacks. So this defense is blech, right? It's gross. Um, we saw, I saw... The linebackers, I saw, saw Markel Lee and Emmanuel Lemire uh, pretty aggressive at points uh, towards the line of scrimmage. But here's the thing. When they don't crash, they are extremely vulnerable, against not only against the run, but, man, play action, just right behind those guys. Ebron will have a field day in the middle of the field. Uh, any of those short crossing routes that the Colts run will be open, wide open and probably have something after the uh, after the catch to gain. So I would look for that if they start crashing. Otherwise, um, I, I just think that they're 
you know, a very, very average linebacker. They're aggressive in, in terms of physicality. They do like to get up in the line of scrimmage and try to plug some holes and try to get to the linebacker or try to get to the running back, but they're just, they're just a very inconsistent group. Others like to, uh, to hear Whitehead. He can be worked over in the running game pretty simply, I think. He just he looks like he's just constantly trying to – like he's not shedding the block, but he's constantly just trying to push off, but he's getting like manhandled up there. So I, I just don't see their linebacking core being any sort of a, a real uh, issue for the Colts. Looking at their secondary, Daryl Worley is kind of the most active, and but he gets picked on a lot because opposite of him – is uh, Rashawn Melvin. Uh, Melvin, he didn't get targeted a lot versus the Seahawks, but he did give up a touchdown uh, and seems to be quite vulnerable coming across the middle when he's in man coverage. I don't think that Melvin is as good as he was last year. Now, if you take him on the boundary and you try to match him up, that's where his home is. That's where he's really good. So the Colts are going to have to try whoever he's on. They're going to have to try to get him to come across the field and uh in chase and if they can do that they can they can beat him up too but Worley he's he can be sticky in coverage he's more of a nuisance though kind of uh just a, a like a a guy who's always slapping and grabbing and that kind of stuff and it can really get to I could see how that could get to a wide receiver's uh brain you know during the game uh but he gets caught looking a lot in the backfield as well and and I just I he's he's quite vulnerable too but there was a couple times where he was in really good coverage uh, this uh, what in week six and you know uh, some of those guys still made some amazing catches honestly and so I, I think that Worley might be you know he will be the guy that gets picked on a little bit more than Melvin I guess but both of those guys are pretty vulnerable in their own respect they have areas where they can get beat and the Colts just have to watch the film and to be able to find out where these guys you know are lacking their skills there's, I mean, we talked about how bad they are, seven sacks all year. There's little to no pass rush that pops on tape with these guys. Key has that length and, like, that natural ability, Arden Key. But he's, like, he's, man, he is nowhere near the dominant edge right now that, that they've hoped to have in him. He has, like I said, if, they, if he gets outside, uh, you know, control, he's going to be difficult to do or to get difficult to handle a little bit. And Luck will have a hard time if he tries to escape the pocket to the right or left on him. But the Colts have the ability right now to climb the pocket with Andrew Luck because of their interior. That's key. Because if these guys can get some sort of pass rush off the edge for some reason, the interior of their defensive line, to me, was just not not very good. I mean, and not as a group anyways. Now, you look at a couple guys. There's some explosion in there. Um you know, there just wasn't a bunch of it. And I really think that, the, honestly, I think that the Colts offensive line should have, you know, a pretty good day against these guys. They seemed, they didn't just didn't have a lot of energy. Their front four seems to kind of only be effective when they slant and guess right. And that's kind of how the Colts is. I've told you guys about this. This defense is going to give up a lot of rushing yards because when they slant and slant wrong, they're going to give up a ton, Right. That's kind of how these guys are, except they just don't slant a lot. And I did seem to notice that when they did, they apparently were guessing right a lot of the times. That doesn't necessarily mean they were good with it, but they did seem to guess right a lot on their slants. At least their defensive coordinator did. 
Um, like I said, otherwise, just not much energy or speed up front. I don't think there's any way that they can defeat the Colts' offensive line simply by attempting to shoot gaps with those defensive linemen. Because the, one defensive lineman may, may be on, on key, and the other guys are just nothing. You know, they, they just don't have a, a, a solid set of talent all the way across there. At least not refined talent right now, because they've got some guys up there that have some game. Um, like I said, Melvin, we talked about him a little bit. These guys don't send f- more than four very often. It, it, they, I think that they understand that they really need the extra guys in coverage. That could be why they're, you know, so weak as far as in how many sacks they're getting throughout the year. They're not getting a lot of pressures because of that. The Colts, I think, my opinion, the Colts offense should have a field day with this Oakland Raiders defense. I think that uh, Reich is going to be able to find some quick passes in here. I think he's going to be able to beat them deep because they are, I mean, they, they, it doesn't matter how many guys that they've got in coverage. They're just not very good. They're just not. So, I mean, let's move on a little bit uh, to the offense here. Uh, let's talk about what they've got right now. They're 28th in points per game at 18.3. So you've got one of the highest score or one of the worst defenses in points per game, and you've got one of the worst offenses in points per game that the Colts are playing against. They should honestly route these guys. I think that they should. If they play anything like they did against the Bills, this should be a route. They're 19th on third downs on offense. Not bad. It's not terrible anyways. They're 29th in turnover differential uh, with negative five. So they are, I mean, bad, right? They're, they're giving up way more turnovers than they are creating. They're 18th in sacks allowed with 17. That's, that's very middle of the road. Obviously 18th shows that, but there's a lot of teams kind of stuck in that little gap right there. And they're 16th uh, in the league, very average also in yards per play. Uh, with 5.7 yards per play on offense. Now, uh, let's talk about a couple things, get this out of the way right now. Marshawn Lynch is responsible for all three of their rushing touchdowns, and he's on IR right now. Their offensive line, uh, I think I I noted that it was especially at right tackle and left guard, but it's really their entire offensive line is very exploitable, especially in protection. This, I mean, if the Colts can get fire it out. I mean, because the Seahawks had, you know, Clark and, and Martin who were very, very explosive in this game. The Colts need that. Like a guy like Teray, they've got to be drilling in Teray's head this week. You have to get upfield and get off the ball. And if he does, if he does, he is going to make life hell on that left tackle because he is fast enough. He's got enough power and he's got enough leverage to get these guys, you know, out of all kind of out of sorts. This is just not a good offensive line. They they are not. Uh, they, even when they're not giving up sacks, they are giving up a ton of pressures. Uh, Derek Carr just did not does not have a lot of room to move and, and doesn't have a lot of, of room to make any plays here. Uh, their offense just does not go downfield much at all, and it's not necessarily because of like quick passing concepts or anything like that. The wide receivers downfield don't get separation at all, nor are they quick enough when they do get downfield. So they're they're not quick enough when they are creating separation. They're not creating it quick enough. So it's basically like a situation where they're not winning at the line of scrimmage. If they were to win at the line of scrimmage, they'd be a little bit better on offense, but they're not. I mean, they're just not. 
They have almost zero rushing attack, it seems like, especially when it comes down into the red zone. They're not doing they're not getting any explosive plays on the rushing game. Their offense, uh, you know, they can't protect Carr and they can't get open when they when they are throwing. So this is an offense that the Colts should I mean, they should have a good game against. The Colts linebackers are pretty solid in coverage. They don't allow a lot after the after the catch. The Colts' defensive front is fairly good. They've been a little, you know, I mean, they haven't had a lot of sacks lately, but they are capable, more than capable. And it looks like a lot of those guys up front are healthy right now, and that's good. Um, looking at other pieces of their offense, their tight end room is pretty whack, man. I mean, maybe Jared Cook, he had a couple play. He's nothing special, though, guys. I mean, you don't even know who these guys are. Uh, they're just not good. They, they are sent in to block a lot. They're not targeted a bunch. They use their running backs a lot in the passing game. Uh, and like I said, now Marshawn Lynch is gone. And think about it this way. Amari Cooper's gone now. Okay? We're going to get into how they've kind of, you know, dra- look at this. They've lost 30 targets with Cooper. He's now gone. Jared Cook would be the next guy that they've targeted. Jalen Richard, uh, uh, running back. Jordy Nelson after that. Seth Roberts, Martavis Bryant, and Marshawn Lynch, like I said, now on IR. This is not an effective receiver core. And look, the Colts don't have one either, really. They do have T.Y. Hilton. Uh, they do have Eric Ebron, so they've got some 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 firepower from the rece- or from the tight end room that can help in the receiving game quite a bit. This group, I mean, look, remember how the Colts are. When they can't protect and they can't run the ball, Andrew Luck and these receivers are going to have a hell of a hard time against anybody. That is what the Oakland Raiders look like right now. They can't protect him. They can't run the ball. And you really don't have anybody out there that scares anyone. Jordy Nelson is not scaring anybody anymore. Seth Roberts is not scaring anybody. Although he's fair, I think I actually think Seth Roberts is better than he gets credit for. Um, Jared Cook is so average. He's just a tight end, and he's his only decent tight end target so he gets a lot of targets and Jalen Richard is out of the backfield the, they they do not throw the ball downfield a lot mainly because the receivers aren't open yet and he has to check it down or and you know what a lot of the check not check downs necessarily but a lot of the uh, maybe the third read those aren't coming across the field those are going out towards the boundary that is not going to get you a lot of yards in the NFL if your third option is running towards the sideline you're going to get lit up, and that's exactly what they were doing against the Seahawks. So they are going to ha- they have to change that if they have any shot at being effective uh, offensively. Derek Carr, with a result of all of this, is very indecisive in the pocket. He's not getting much time to throw. He is heavily frustrated. I mean, like within the early first quarter. I mean he he doesn't have time to throw. He's got guys all around him. They're coming up the middle. They're coming off the edge. He tries to step up. He gets lit up. He tries to back out. He gets lit up. He just doesn't have anything. And I don't. I'm not on the in the camp that says Derek Carr is not a good quarterback. But he's not great to begin with. I mean, he's good. I don't think he's great by any stretch. And he's got a lot of issues around him on that offense. Um, any pass rush at all will completely disrupt this group. Everything about their offense. It'll disrupt 
Derek Carr. It'll disrupt the routes. It'll disrupt the ability for the running backs to be able to catch anything and do anything out of the backfield. Um, like I said, Marshawn Lynch is no longer there, so he's their bell cow for the most part. They're going to have to find another guy to be able to do what he does, or at least try to. And the Colts right now have to start keying on these guys because this is a big week for the Colts. Going into the, the, the bye week, you could have two dominant games in a row. That does wonders for your confidence. And you've got a heavy AFC South schedule uh, after the bye. This is just, in, me, in my opinion, this is probably the best two weeks that the Colts could have hoped for to have in the best two matchups before the bye, especially when you've got some guys who are still with them hitting some lingering issues. And you've got your offensive line clicking. You've got a running game, it looks like now. I mean, your defense is forcing turnovers. This is a perfect week for this game, as far as I'm concerned. Um, they do like to run in offense. They're kind of a stack or a bunch set. And that has typically given the Colts issues in the past. I They don't really get creative out of it, though. And I think that that's going to save the Colts. Like the Colts, I mean, remember the days of you know what, three, four years ago when the Steelers just were just murdering the Colts. They just, they could not figure out how to defend out of the bunch or stack, and the Colts were just getting lit. This is probably, I mean, the worst possible setup in that kind of a package because these guys, they're not getting open. They're not running quality routes. They're just not. And I don't see this as being a real problem for the Colts, but if the Colts don't figure out how to defend it, then they're going to be in trouble because this has been one of their things. It is a new coaching staff. It is new players. I get that all, but it's just one of those things. We have not seen the Colts really be effective against those kind of packages. Uh, the Colts will need to be on their P's and Q's, I mean, in this situation. This is where they and they – and a lot of it – and it's not necessarily an all-stack, but they'll run, you know, a spread option or a spread type uh, – package and they'll run three receivers or, or two receivers and a tight end and they'll just keep them close to the line they'll have them tightened up that's going to benefit the Colts because like I said they're not creative out of these bunches at all uh, Gruden has a solid offensive scheme it's I don't know he's either just not calling plays that are benefiting this team or that help because they're they're doing I mean Derek Carr is taking a lot of five and seven step drops these are not one two three plant throw these are things where he has to come back he's got to read downfield he doesn't have time to do it and he's got to kick it down to his receiver or to his running back so he's got to kick it out to that guy who's running out in the flats uh, late in late in the play this is a perfect opportunity for the Colts to smash the Raiders honestly the Colts should be three and five after this week I give the Raiders no chance in this game if the Colts lose this game then we just are right back to where we started a couple weeks ago this is not a good Raiders team this is not a disciplined Raiders team they do not have the talent right now the Colts actually in my opinion have more talent per roster uh, the Raiders are old, the Raiders have a lot of inefficiencies, and they're not calling plays that fit their personnel. So I just from watching that week six game, I mean you have to consider that they are, you know, coming off the bye, so they're healthy. 
but they could also start really slow. Coming off the bye, teams tend to struggle uh, if they're not really prepared be, uh, coming out of the bye just because that's just, I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, if you're not prepared and you're coming out of the bye, you're going to get slaughtered. And I just, I, th- this is just not a good Raiders team to begin with. They've got to be aggravated. And I, I just think that the Colts are, it is as inconsistent as the Colts are, they're a far better team right now, I think. I mean, you've got Andrew Luck and that offense clicking. Anything that d- the defense is the one of the things that right now has been more inconsistent than anything. But we've seen the potential from that defense. We've seen the speed from that defense. We've seen the ability to defend the pass. Uh, it's not there all the time. It's not there every week. But. I don't think that this defense uh, can stop the Colts' offense by any stretch, and I think that the Colts are creative enough to dial up the right blitzes, the right personnel to get Derek Carr at least three to four times in this game, and I think it's going to ruin their entire offensive set. So uh, I didn't see anything from this Raiders crew that I really liked other than the potential of maybe Arden Key because of the size and ability that he's got. Uh, there was a couple guys that looked like they had, you know, some decent futures, but man, like I said, the, a lot of their off, a lot of their roster is old. They're just not, it's just not good fit for this. And right now Gruden and the Raiders are basically at a fire sale. Anybody who's got any kind of trade value whatsoever, they're trying to get rid of. So this is not a team right now that cares about winning. It doesn't seem. Um, so that's what I got from the film review from week six. Uh, you guys can go back and watch it yourselves. It, you know, I think that most of you would probably agree with me. I'm sure there's something that I missed, but that was the gist of what I got from both sides of the ball. And their, you know, their season stats to this point kind of tell the story. They suck. <laughs> they suck. They do not have a positive, uh, really, other than just being average. You know, that's in just a few different statistical categories. That's their best bet. They're average in a couple of them. The rest of them, they're awful. Bottom of the league. So. The Colts have the firepower. The Colts have the ability and the potential on defense. This should be, in my opinion, the Colts should win this game by 10 without question. So that's where we're at right now. Hoping to have a a guest on tomorrow to kind of talk about the Raiders. Maybe he can give a little more insight on what's going on uh, out there in Oakland. And maybe he can kind of, you know, break it down a little bit more for you guys, whether he agrees or whether he, you know, tends to find the positive in that. We'll, we'll check that out then tomorrow. But uh, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, again, make sure you guys are rating and reviewing the show. Go check out uh, Horseshoes with Holder. Uh, hopefully we'll have another film room uh, piece up where the guys are talking about, you know, a couple of the plays that they've seen in the, in the recent week's game uh, or whatever. But, you know, we've got a lot of good podcasts on this channel, so make sure you guys are taking advantage of it. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, Thank you guys all for listening. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include 
doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.